The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, two Edmonton area families whose loved ones uh, went missing have joined forces in hopes of helping other families deal with their grief and their search efforts. A uh, little bit of background for you here. Tammy Naren's uh, 28-year-old brother, Dominic, disappeared while flying from Penticton, B.C. to Edmonton with his girlfriend, Ashley, in November of 2017. Heather Stutka went through a similar experience after her 20-year-old son, Ryan, never made it home from a park at Sun Peak Ski Resort in B.C. in February of 2018. The two connected. They're now working to ensure others who find themselves in the awful situation have some guidance and help. Tammy, Heather, welcome to the show. Hi. Okay, we have you both there. All right. Can First off, I just want to, you know, very, very sorry for uh, your loss and uh, to let you know that uh, uh, we thank you for joining us to talk uh, today, even though, you know, of course, at times that this, I'm, I'm sure, can be difficult as well. Heather, Tammy, let's, uh, let's find, how did you find each other? Tammy, let's start with you. How did, how did you find each other? Well, three months after Dominic went missing, Brian Stuka went missing as well. So I felt like throughout our searches, we both were going back and forth, um, relaying information that worked well, what didn't work well, and sharing resources that way because we were both searching in interior BC. Mm. Um, So we were connected basically from the start that way. And uh, throughout, once we started the Freebird Project, um, Heather and her best friend, Nicole, had the same mindset of wanting to do something to pay it forward. And there's this gap of resources from when officials end to when, to basically what the family's supposed to do from that point forward. So we had the same mindset. Heather, I'm curious to know what it was like uh, for you to to find and to to talk to Tammy. I mean, um, uh, Ryan uh, disappeared, um, you know, a, a few months. If I I'm looking at the time, yeah, about uh, three months after uh, her loved ones did. What was it like to be able to have someone to talk to who who could say, you know what, I've been there, I know how you feel. There was a sense of connection because, of course, we had one day of official search uh, for Ryan. And then after February 19th, everybody went home. All the official channels sort of went home. And you're stuck. I mean, you're in a in a position where terror and grief is overpowering. And yet you can't get into any of this because you're now forced to change your, your mindset of what, what you're going to do. There's no grieving. You actually have to put forth and, and think about logistics. And for someone who's never done something like this before, we've never had a playbook. We've never experienced anything uh, like this in any capacity at all. You are left wondering what you're supposed to do. So having that connection and talking to somebody kind of going through the same sort of initial feelings made it possible for me to ask questions that I might not have asked um, if, if I didn't know anybody. You're, you're left floundering, I think. 
So, Tammy, again, your loved ones uh, uh, disappeared in a, in a plane crash from you know, B.C. to Edmonton November 17th. Heather, uh, your son, Ryan, um, you know, disappeared from a park at Sun Peak Ski Resort in B.C. Of, in February 2018. So you talk about those search and rest, you know, search missions, search and rescue missions that get put into place. And I guess during that time, you're holding, uh, you're holding hope against hope that, you know, something will turn up of, of your loved ones but you know what Heather you touched on it you know when when it all wraps up and they say okay we're, we're done here you're you're left on your own it must be it must be I, I, I'm trying to find the word and the word that just keeps coming to my head is is horrifying to hear those words that we can't do anymore there's there's nothing more that we can do can you take us to that moment when they, when they tell you something like that i i think for me i just remember the the night when the rcmp and the search and rescue had come in and said okay we've done all the tasks that we set out to do and until something else changes environmental or a tip um we we won't be coming back and i just i remember thinking okay so like i'll see you tomorrow i'm thinking okay well not <laughs> everybody's going to show up but there's going to be somebody like there's going to be someone that's going to help continue with the search that's going to be as a liaison to us so that you know what we're, we're going to do and i think the stark reality when we walked into this command center that sort of had been changed from a ski patrol it was back into the ski patrol we walked in on monday and there's nobody around and all you can feel is abandonment and then yeah. in that sense you know that if your child or your loved one is going to be found it is going to be up to you to do that and how, and how do you process that uh, and so you know we we put aside grief i don't even know if my husband and i have ever really revisited that because ryan of course is still missing and so you put aside grief and you have to actually turn yourself and and your mind into a logic mode where now i have to think about learning uh, a sort of a career that i've never thought about ever doing and and learning how to do this so tammy i'm curious to know how you learned to to do that i mean we just heard what heather you know, was saying about having to to find out how to become really a, a search and rescue coordinator uh on your own and uh in fact that's you know what you did to, how, how did how did you do it what did you do well, for us, it was definitely a new experience, and it was trial and error. And for every lead we had, we had false leads, and it was it was a lot to learn. Um, nothing really prepares you for it. So, throughout our experience, we felt that everything we learned was so valuable because there was no no guidebook whatsoever out there telling you what to do. So we drove down to Revelstoke, where the plane was missing and we just started up um we held nightly meetings at a pizza place at 7 p.m and we put the word out if there was anybody that wanted to come and help this is where we will be and then we found that having a constant meeting place was the best strategy so people could always drop in and you knew at all times somebody was going to be there at 7 p.m nightly and then throughout the community we slowly formed this group of searchers that were knowledgeable we had insight from pilots telling us what they would have done um and then we just yeah we just kept going and going and gaining more and more resources throughout our search 
and months later the plane was found a month later the plane was found and uh, all of a sudden for you um, some closure there yeah we are very grateful Um, the number one thing because it was the BC Air Ambulance that spotted the plane and they were looking for the wreckage every time that they went by and they said because it was in the media because it had people's attention because people knew to look for it they looked for it every time and we found that um, it was really eye-opening to us for the BC Air Ambulance to tell us that they don't get notified on these missing planes when they're in the sky their eyes in the sky the entire time so there's a lot of shared knowledge that needs to be linked up and that's kind of like another mission of ours is to have clear communication with everybody. So, Heather, I think one of the things, obviously, well, obviously one of the things that is different, uh, you know, in, in the search is that uh, Tammy's loved one, they were in a plane and there was, you know, from above, Ryan, um, you know, coming home from uh, a park at the ski resort. What did you learn about about the search for your son on the ground that, you know, at the time you're probably thinking, ah, we're just going to go in there and we're just going to, you know, see what we can do do but knowing knowing what you know now how, how are you doing things differently well initially when we started of course we had a lot of volunteers that had come out to our command center every single day so over the course of the entire time that we have been searching we've had over a thousand volunteers most of them have wow. come back more than once and so we have a continuous thing my husband and I lived in that ski resort uh, for four and a half months searching every single day and we still go up although with COVID it, it makes it a little bit difficult but we still go up um, if we can go up as often as every month we certainly do that to continue uh, spreading awareness and and it's a, a physical thing that that we can do for our son but at the time when we're sending these volunteers out we've got a map so we we know we have the map we're sending people to this map five people to one spot we had gridded it off that way and then you you recognize that it was heartbreaking for me after three weeks because the snow kept falling and so when you're driving around or walking around the town it almost looks like no one's been there no one has been searching so you you never get a clear idea of how much has been done and to what level and so i think after three weeks we sort of came into this conclusion because we had no other resources telling us this is that you needed to take one area and it's better to take 10 percent of that area and have it done a hundred percent than take an entire area and say well we've done 10 percent of that entire area like knowing that you've actually blitzed the area and gone through and and that's we sort of changed the way we approached our search so that we could do it more methodical and we would spend behind houses um, in the snow we would spend up to a day just doing one backyard because it backs on to mountainous and and that was the other problem with us is that it's not just a, an urban setting it's very rural it's yeah. very desolate there's lots of train and tree wells and the vastness changes depending on the season and Tammy Naren and Heather Shuka are the co-founders of the Free Bird Project, both uh, with loved ones who um, went missing. Uh, Tammy's loved ones found uh, in a plane crash, uh, in the wreckage of a plane crash months later. The search continues for Heather's son, Ryan, who disappeared, never made it home from a park at Sun Peak Ski Resort in B.C. That was in February of 2018. Together, they have founded the Free 
Free Bird Project. And so when we're talking about all the things that you have learned, uh, Tammy and Heather, how do you now put it all together and offer it to someone else who may be going through the same thing? Tammy, let's start with you. Well, I think from all of our resources that we've gathered over the past three years, um, we have we have a network of volunteers. We have we work with nonprofits that have drone operators. Um, we have lots of amazing connections and contacts that we're able to offer families that have a missing loved one. Um, so definitely we kind of come into play when officials have ended their search. Um, we reach out to the families or they reach out to us and we see what the next steps are in searching. Um, we also offer a lot of emotional support on that side of thing. I know the last search we did, we were lucky enough to have a therapist on site that was offering emotional support as well. So it's really just a network of all of these people that come together. Yeah, you know what, you talk about uh, knowing how to um, put together a, a command center, what you've learned, uh, you know, on search and rescue uh, grids and uh, social media campaigns, Heather, um, the idea of having someone there um, as a as a counselor or, or that, that emotional um, therapist there to, to help those who are waiting and searching. How important of a, of a piece of the puzzle is that in the Freebird? project? Well, you start to think about the term ambiguous loss, and that's usually what most of these families are experiencing at the time. And so while we understand the very initial feelings that most families have, you know, the terror, the grief, the fear, and, you know, for some people it might be anger. There's those initial feelings that tend to be very commonplace. But then we understand that every journey is unique to the families. And so everyone is going to deal with their ambiguous loss. There's a lot of guilt and grief that comes along with not being able to express and not knowing if your loved one or when your loved one is going to be able to come home. And so that is something that we can touch upon and that we can offer um, some sort of emotional support and connectivity to the other families while we help them go on to their own journey that will be unique to them themselves. And so organically, the whole point of Freebird is to be able to offer these resources to, to these families and let them make reasonable decisions, but knowing that they have support behind them. For us, it was it was difficult for our family because there is there was such a huge social media presence. And of yeah. course, that's sort of a double-edged sword. You're happy to have this awareness come out, but with it comes a lot of negativity. Um, certainly, you know, messages that get sent to the family members. There's a lot of things they have to navigate that they wouldn't have thought of before about how they're going to approach their searches, what resources they feel comfortable going forward with. We certainly have lots of people that will um, message families that are psychic and mediums and private investigators and wanting money for this and setting up fake GoFundMe accounts. So there's a lot of ways that families will be violated through this entire search project. And so we, what we want to be able to do is, is give them sort of guidelines and, and let them make um, decisions based on those. Uh, I have to say, Tammy and Heather, I think that uh, you and the organization um, are are providing a, a really, really 
uh, important uh, service to those. Um, uh, be, being able to say, hey, I've, I've, I've been here, we've done this, I, I, I understand, but I can also, we can also help guide you with some of this. I think that that is going to go a long way to helping uh, uh, so many who find themselves uh, in this awful situation. Now, uh, I'm going to guess the best way for people to find out more about the Freebird Project is through your Facebook page and Instagram. And if people wanted to get involved, is, is that where they should contact you at? Yes, absolutely. Um, through Facebook and Instagram right now is the best way. Um, we also are, are selling a bunch of merchandise on Facebook and Instagram. So if there's even a way, like if you're able to volunteer, that's great. If you want to support by purchasing merchandise, all proceeds go directly to our fund to help families all find right. their All right. All right, and Heather, just before we let you go, because I know a lot of people, you know, would, would be wondering, um, any 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 tips, anything coming in um, almost three years later on Ryan? Unfortunately not. I mean, we still we still have a lot of awareness. Ryan's Facebook page has over 31,000 people that are very supported and engaged um, in finding out. And so we keep spreading the awareness. We keep doing physical searches for our son, and then hopefully something will come from that. All right. I want to thank you both for joining me uh, this afternoon. Um, and again, the Freebird Project, I think uh, you're doing a lot of great for the community um, as you move forward. Thank you for taking the time this afternoon. Thank you so much. Thank you.